Welcome back to the Oscar Project Podcast, the show where I discuss Oscar-nominated films year by year. I'm your host, Jonathan Eaterberg, and today I'm bringing you an author interview with Karen Shadme, author of the book, Lugosi, The Rise and Fall of Hollywood's Dracula. Before I jump into the interview, I'd love for you to subscribe to the show in your podcast player so you can get all the newest episodes as soon as they're released. If you like the interview and want to hear more, please consider leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Karen Shadme is an award-winning illustrator and cartoonist who studied illustration at the School of Visual Arts in New York, where he now teaches. His graphic novels have been published in the U.S., France, Italy, Spain, Germany, Poland, Korea, and Israel. His previous works include Bionic, Rise of the Dungeon Master, Gary Gygix and the Creation of D&D, and The Twilight Man, Rod Serling and the Birth of Television. He joins me today to talk about his graphic novel, Lugosi, The Rise and Fall of Hollywood's Dracula. Ren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So what was it that first prompted you to take on the story of Lugosi for a visual story like this? Um, I think the story is that I you know, had a very vague knowledge of who Lugosi was. And um, uh, I think the first time I heard his, his name was I was a Bauhaus fan when I was a teenager. So mm-hmm. they had a song. Uh, about it. Um, and I, I grew up in Israel. We didn't really have reruns of the, the Universal monster movies. So I, I had a vague knowledge of what it was, who he was and who the, what the original Dracula was. Um, but basically, um, we, me and my wife were on a trip somewhere in the car and we were listening to a history podcast. And there was a, an episode about Lugosi. And it was just such a dramatic, um, crazy life story. And I'd been made a mental note like this is, you know, this is a good one. And years later, when I was looking for my next book, um, after I finished uh, my first book with humanoids was about Rod Serling. And so I was looking for something in the same vein. And and then, you know, that idea pop, popped into my head. And I was like, why not a book about Lugosi? Such a interesting uh, character, such an interesting uh, life story. And also you get to learn a little bit of, about the history of, of Hollywood. Sure, sure, for sure. So now I want to talk a little bit about the visuals in the book. You chose to go with uh, pretty much an all monochrome color palette in the, the book. There's a little bit of kind of gentle coloration to it in the uh, you know scenes where Lugosi is an o- older man. What prompted you to use black and white for this story particularly? Um, well, again, it fits the the subject matter where most of the movies that, if not all of them, uh, the movies that Lugosi was in were were uh, black and white. So I feel like it evokes that kind of uh, silver silver age, or I don't know if to call it silver. Silver age is comics, but silver screen, you know, like um, um, you know, uh, black and white, no, not really noir, but that early era. Of, of Hollywood, so it kind of evocates that, and uh, it fits it fits really well. Plus, it's less work, <laughs> so <laughs> coloring is a lot of work. So I was I was happy to um, not have to 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 color this last the, the newest book I just that is coming out um, is is full color, and so um, it uh, you know I was like sure I'll do a color book, and then I realized how much work it is and. So it, I was glad that it kind of fits in, fit, fit in with the subject matter. Sure. And to that point, when you're doing a book like this, do you, uh, you know, 
take care of all of the uh, illustration, the coloring, the the letters as well. Everything is is done by you. Um, uh, everything other than the lettering, uh, the publisher Humanoids actually got a letter. We did an excellent job on the book, um, and um, you know, I'm really glad that they did because I feel like lettering might not be my strongest uh, suit. It's like a, an art form on its own, and for me, it's just like not you know i don't really think to me it's not that important but to readers it's really important so mm -hmm. i'm glad they did um but everything else yeah i did the research and the writing and um the you know layouts and drawing and pretty much everything um you know i like to compare it to those one-man bands that walk in with the drum and the harmonica and all that stuff so i'm just right. that person that does all that stuff so Great. And uh, what would you say is kind of the hardest part? And you, know, you say you're doing it as a one-man band. What's the hardest part about telling a story like this in a visual way in a book like this? Well, when you're doing a nonfiction book, uh, you have to do a lot of research that's both text-based and uh, visual-based. And you have to stay really, you, you have to be as accurate as you can. So, you know, I can't just make up how people look like, um, you know, Lugosi's face changed over the years. I have to make sure that I capture his likenesses, likeness over the years as he ages. And, mm -hmm. um, and I have to make sure that, you know, when I set a scene in Hungary and like the, you know, turn of the century it needs to look like Hungary in the turn, turn of the century. So uh, I had to look for specific pictures of Budapest and, and I had to, you know, it's, it's more work than, let's say, um, a sci-fi novel that's a graphic novel that's set in the year 3000, because then you can just kind of make up everything. Um, and uh, these books, you can't. So there's likenesses, they, you know, and, and there's there's a lot of vis visual research that goes in, into it. Right. Now, what were a couple of things that you maybe learned about Lugosi in that research that you didn't know uh, before going in that you want to make sure people are aware of? Uh, well, first that he was a very active, uh, he was kind of an activist and uh, he was in, in a socialist uh, party in, in uh, Budapest in Hungary around the turn of the century. There was a lot, or, or early 20th century, there was a lot of upheaval there. Mm -hmm. And um, he was, you know, fighting for, for actors' rights, for workers' rights, and, you know, demonstrating and doing all sorts of stuff like that, which ended up also being the reason why he had to flee uh, Hungary because he was, uh, you know, the, the regime changed and they, they started hanging people who had, um, you know, been a socialist and opposed to the current, uh, whoever was the current um, head of the, the state. And so that's why he fled, he fled to Germany and then finally like to the US. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting part. Um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, you know, there was a lot of his movies that I didn't know about. And during the, the process of, of research, I got to watch some of them. And so I was very happy to kind of discover movies that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, son of Frankenstein, uh, was one of my, my favorites that, um, that I've never seen before. And through the process of, of research, I, I got to see it and he was just amazing in it. And the movie's you know, really funny, doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's also really visually striking. 
and also uh, the Black Cat was another one that I just really was impressed with. So there was through the process of research, you kind of um, get to discover also works of art that you've never seen before. Excellent. And speaking of of those works of art, obviously Lugosi's probably most famous for playing Dracula. Um, but you know, some people might not know that he was almost in Frankenstein as well, the playing the monster that eventually was played by Boris Karloff. How do you think his life and career might have been different if he had stayed on and played that that other famous role? It's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, he would have, you know, it maybe maybe would have set him on a different trajectory. Uh, he has this kind of self-sabotaging part to him that uh, makes me think that even if he wasn't Frankenstein, he, there was a still would still have been some sort of decline. Um, but I'm not sure, and, and I'm not sure he would have been right for for Frankenstein. Yeah. And that's what uh, James Whale uh, ended up, you know, um, deciding that he wasn't he wasn't right for it. I mean, there's various accounts, but the um, at the end uh, of the day, with the the account that seemed most correct to me was that he was, you know, just not right for the role. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of changed his life and, and maybe was unfortunate, but, um, you know, I think Karloff makes an amazing, uh, Frankenstein and, and, you know, you, you can't, you can't know what would have, would have, what would have happened. Right. In an alternate universe for sure. Um, now, there's been so many adaptations of Dracula, be it on stage and films on television. And, you know, we, we're still seeing them today. We had Renfield earlier this year. We uh, have, I think, the uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter coming out uh, or that has just come out. What do you think it is about this story that fascinates people? And, and how does it relate to Lugosi as a man and as an actor? Well, I think the, the innovation of uh, Bram Stoker was that he showed... Dracula as this like gentleman, as a charming, cultured society man uh, account that is kind of you know a very alluring and and um, you know maybe even seductive character. Um, and then uh, he the monster is hidden, and that makes him more human because you know with with human beings. It's the same thing. The monstrosity or whatever is lurking in the underneath is is usually hidden. It's it's uh, uh you know you don't know some someone could be very handsome and or or very beautiful. A woman can be very beautiful, uh, and then they could have this awful personality underneath, or they could be abusive or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what kind of connected with people uh, at the end of the day. Excellent. Now, you had a pretty extensive bibliography at the end of the book, and it's not something you always see in a, a graphic novel like this. Were there any particular references, books, or articles that people should check out if they enjoyed yours and want to even learn even more about Lugosi? Um, I mean, there are, you know, it's, it's been a while, so I don't remember exactly. Uh, there are a couple, there's a couple of books from different eras uh, about him and you know since i've done already research for i'm like in the third basically now have done another book and um another book after that so um i i'm not I, I can't fully recall all the names of of you know the books 
Um, but, uh, you know, whatever is mentioned in the bibliography, um, you know, you can look it up and uh, some of them are more extensive than others. Um, and some of them are like more concise, but they all pretty, pretty much give a similar picture. There's no, there's no uh, biography that like, you know, it's like completely uh, crazy and, and doesn't match with the rest of the stories. Um, there's one that's from the seventies that was approved by the state. That's pretty good. And it's kind of hard to find. And so that one is, is recommended. I, I like it a lot. I think uh, the other one that I like, I think it was called the dark prince and that was uh, an excellent one. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, some of them go, you know, I was the only ones that kind of bored me a little bit were the ones that dealt with his, theater career because you know there was also no room he had this whole theater career that I, I didn't really have space to go into I go into the it briefly in the graphic novel but um don't dive that deep and uh you know the ones that the, the biographies that focus on his theater career were not as interesting to me now I have a couple of questions, not specifically related to the book, but before I move on, is there anything else you want to touch on about the book specifically? Yeah, I just wanted to add about um, you know the previous question of what Lugosi brought to the role uh, is you know because I talked about Bram Stoker and Bram Stoker picked this you know made this really iconic character that was you know unforgettable, and I think Lugosi was perfect for it because he was that European. Uh, debonair, charming um, man that you could believe is from, you know, royalty. He really wasn't, um, he was like a middle class, uh, but, uh, you know, he makes it, you, you really believe it um, when, when, when you see him yeah. as Dracula and the, the accent and the, the kind of, um, he's, he's kind of delicate, but also forceful. And there's a lot of kind of contradiction and nuance in his performance and and I think he made the character you know he brought him to life for the first time and he made the template for uh the rest of the the people who would play Dracula and then when you see you know you mentioned Renfield you see uh Nicolas Cage playing Dracula he says uh his favorite Dracula is Christopher Lee but he's really evoking I think more than anyone uh Lugosi and he kind of looks right. like Lugosi in that movie. Yeah, for sure. Now, this might be the hardest question I ask, and you've obviously watched a lot of films in your career, and you mentioned watching a bunch for preparing for the book. But if you had to pick your top three, what would they be? Oh wow. Um, well, I I really like Videodrome by uh, David Cronenberg. Uh, I recently rewatched it with my brother. He's never seen it, and he was kind of freaked out by the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, so I love, I love Videodrome, uh, completely unrelated or on the other side of the spectrum. I really like the 400 blows. Uh, I think it's just a, such an amazing, such an amazing movie. Um, and, and so, so touching and, and just like the, the quintessential Newton, Nouvelle Vague, uh, film. And I just, uh, every time I see it, like it's, it's still, still, uh, moving and then i think my top top movie ever is probably vertigo um i just absolutely love it i think it's just so um beautiful to look at and and uh mesmerizing and it's just a world a world on its own and um many many layered kind of like uh 
movie that that you can watch 10 times 20 times and not get bored with sure i, I don't know if there's a, a graphic novel version of that film but uh, if there isn't that might be something for you in the future <laughs> um do you have any other books that you could recommend that you've been reading recently be they uh, nonfiction for other research or fiction books, uh, novels, anything that you're checking out these days? Um, yeah, I read uh, one of my favorite things that I read recently was a book by uh, Nick Dresnall. Um, and I'm not sure if uh, I'm pronouncing this, uh, his name correctly, but it's called Acting Class. It's actually a graphic, it's a graphic novel and it is just amazing. It's just this... Uh, and it's kind of related to film because, I mean, not really, but uh, it has a kind of a filmic quality and it does deal with acting. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you want a book that will really get under your skin and creep you out, it's, it's really excellent. So that's, that's something recent that I read that I just absolutely love. Great. And lastly, before we wrap things up, um, what projects do you have lined up? You mentioned that you've been working on a couple of other books. Um, Anything you want to shout out there? Yeah, there's actually a book uh, coming out next week, um, and it's called All Tomorrow's Parties, and it's uh, a nonfiction biography of the Velvet Underground. So it's it's my next book that after Lugosi, um, very different. You know, as I said, full color. It deals with a band. You know, it's an ensemble piece, um, and. Uh, I'm very proud of it. I think it's it's really excellent. Um, but again, it's like a very different, um, you know, beast than than Little Gosi book. Um, but I think that whoever likes the band or just wants to find out more about that era in the '60s in New York and Warhol and all that stuff would really enjoy that book. Um, and uh, other than that, I'm I'm starting develop to develop the next uh, nonfiction book but it's still under wraps so i can't really talk about it sounds good well we'll uh, be looking forward to those two coming out uh hopefully in the, or the first one coming out soon and the next one coming out in the near future as well mm -hmm. well uh karen thank you so much for the time today i really appreciated being able to speak with you and, and for sharing the information and the stories and all the great news uh, great details about lugosi welcome and uh, thanks for having me Thank you again to my guest today, Karen Chadney. We discussed his previous book, Lugosi, The Rise and Fall of Hollywood's Dracula, and his latest book, All Tomorrow's Parties, The Velvet Underground Story, just released on August 22nd. I'll have a link in the show notes to both of those books, along with the movies and books mentioned throughout the interview. The Oscar Project Podcast is written and produced by me, Jonathan Eterberg, with editing assistance from Joshua Eterberg. Please come back for my next episode, where I will be speaking with Brad Weitzman, about his upcoming book, Horror Unmasked, a history of terror from Nosferatu to Nope. Until then, I hope to see you at the movies.